I'm so blessed and honored to be able to share here on our very first Sunday back. Can someone give a shout of praise for that? I am sick of talking to a camera. <laughs> you guys only saw one take. There was about 30 more before those. I tell you what, it's strengthened our marriage. It's been an awesome season of growth. It's been an awesome challenge. We had the honor and the privilege to send off our, our loved sister Rachel yesterday as well in a beautiful service. So just big total uh, to everyone that put their hand to the plow for that service. Pastor Paul, you did an awesome job there leading that. Uh, the church whānau really got around their family, and I tell you what, they appreciated that. And uh, it was just a blessing to be able to serve and move as the church is meant to do here on earth. Amen. We're a whānau. And it's an absolute blessing to do that. She's with our Lord. She's, she's uh, as they said it, as, um, as Ian said at the, at the funeral yesterday, she's more alive now than she has ever been. Amen. 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 Well, I've got the absolute blessing of sharing the word. But before I do that, I would like to open up and cut a key. So thank you, Father Lord. We just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we can gather here that even in the, in the time of lockdown, we neglected not the gathering of the saints. Father, that we met even though it was online. Father, that, that even, even though that something tried to put the lid on your church, you burst through the seams because the Holy Spirit cannot be contained and He will move and He will set a fire to the nation, Father, whether or not there's borders, uh, border control, whether or not there's, there's social distancing, there is no Holy Spirit distancing. We are one with the Lord. And he moves among us even now. So, Father, Lord, I just pray your anointing over this word. Lord, I declare that every heart here is ready to receive, that there is good soil for your seed to be sown into this morning. In Jesus' name, and all the saints said, Amen. 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 Pastor Ruth brought an awesome word last week, the last of our online services. And, uh, and it's uh, been an absolute blessing to have those, uh, those services happening online. Atamaria, to the whanau that's just come in here as well. So awesome to have you in the house. Um, and I've got the pleasure and the honor of sharing part two of the Let's Go theme. I don't know about you guys, but I've been locked up too long, and I'm ready to let's go. Amen. <laughs> I came in this morning all fired up, and I didn't care if anyone else wasn't. I was fired up, and I'm fired up enough for the rest of you. Amen? All right, all right. I'm going to read from Isaiah 43, because the Lord told me this week, He said, I am doing a new thing. You need to let go of all the old ways that you think worked before. You need to let go of all the old things, the old rhythms of life. I tell you now, if you're sick of the old, praise God, He's doing a new thing. This morning, he's doing a new thing in this season. So from Isaiah 43. Um, Siri, you've got nothing to do with it. I'm going to preach it myself. <laughs> Isaiah 43, verse 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. 
It's a little sermon illustration. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Who's going to do a new thing? He will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. That's a word for someone this morning. You feel like where you are right now, there is no road that can be made. There is no path that you could possibly walk through the wilderness you are currently in. And here's God saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I will even make a road in your wilderness. Wherever you are, if you can't see the wood for the trees, he will make a road in your wilderness this morning. That's a word for someone this morning. And he will make rivers in the desert. Who's thirsty this morning? Who's thirsty for some living water? I'm going to preach myself happy. Forget the old way. Expect the unexpected. I'm telling you now, if we hold on too tightly to the old familiar ways with both hands, we will not have a hand free to grip the new. I say it again, if you're holding too tight with both hands to the old ways, if you're holding on to what is familiar, you will not have a hand free to grip the fresh new move of God this morning. I'm telling you now, let go. Let's go. Let go. Let God. Amen. I want to bring us back to the first part of the scripture. And I think the first part, the reason I didn't just start at, behold, I'm doing a new thing, because I think the first part of the scripture is really important. I think that the magnitude of God, the hugeness of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of God has been trivialized. Not only outside the church, but in the church. We pray our prayers, but do we recognize just how big our God is? Why did he bring these verses at the beginning of Isaiah? Isaiah 43, 15 to 17. He's, he prefaces all of this with, I am the Lord, your Holy One. Now just soak this in. The Creator of Israel, your King. He is a King of Kings. And I'm, sitting, I'm standing in a room of kings here. You are all kings and priests, and He is your King. Take hold of just how big God is in your life this morning. Thus says the Lord who made the way in the sea and path through the mighty waters. He's talking about when He took Israel through the Red Sea and parted the sea in front of Moses. In the face of adversity, when the enemy were chasing them down and they were faced with a sea in front of them and nowhere to go. I don't know where you are this morning, but you might feel like it's not goodness and mercy chasing you down this morning. You might, you might feel like it's chariots and warriors chasing you down and they're not your friends. And in front of you is just a wall. In front of you is just a sea. In front of you is nowhere to go right now. And the Lord is saying, I am the Lord who parted the waters. I am the Lord who made a way through the sea. And you know those people that are chasing you? I'm going to bring them forth into that sea as they follow you. That's what he's saying in verse 16, uh, in verse 17, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army of power. And then what happens to them? They will lie down and they shall not rise. Whatever is chasing you down at the moment, if it's not goodness and mercy, it will lie down and it will not rise. That's what the Lord's saying this morning. 
He's doing a new thing. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick, a wick of a candle. They're not quenched like a massive fire or a bonfire, and he's trying to put it out with a bucket. No, to the Lord, all of your troubles, everything that you think is chasing you down, all of your anxiety, your sleepless nights, your money problems, your debt, all of that, it's just like a wick to him. Amen. He's doing a new thing this morning. He's doing a new thing this morning. I'm going to talk a bit quieter because I want you to be able to hear the rest of the message without tinnitus in your ears. (laughs) Just because it had worked before, it doesn't mean God isn't doing a new thing now. We shouldn't shut our eyes to the new move of God while we hold on to the old one. You know, even if he did a great thing in a season past, sometimes we can just live in that and wait for it again. Come on, God, bring a revival again like you did back in this time. Lord, do it like you did before. He is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same, but the way that he moves will be ever-changing. The way that he moves will be ever-changing, and we have to be ready. We have to be prepared to move with him. Amen? Don't hold on to that old stuff. A good friend and teacher once said that all the different denominations and different things at different churches are almost like a snapshot in time of something that worked and they've held on to it. This is the religious spirit. You know, sometimes a church can hold on to a way they used to do something because it worked back then. But God is saying, no, you need to be flexible. You need to be pliable. You You need to break the yoke of religion. You need to break the yoke of old thinking. And you need to be able to move with the spirit because he's doing something new. Just because you feel like you're less than, just because you've been told that you're nothing, just because society has told you you're outcast and a good for nothing doesn't mean God's not going to do something new in you. Doesn't mean He can't touch someone through you. Doesn't mean you can't make a difference. Doesn't mean Sam Conrad can't go out there and bless a nation when he's only just started picking up his Bible again. Amen, brother? Amen? You're called for such a time as this. God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of you. My grandmother in 1953, 18 years old, sailed to New Zealand on a boat called the Captain Cook. And I've got a picture of that, Rachel, um, there I think I put it, there we go. In 1953, my grandmother came to New Zealand on this boat. I texted her last night um, at a horrible time of the night because I have no respect for my elders, but she replied, (laughs) praise God, she's got grace. And uh, she replied and she said, it took me six weeks, six weeks to go from England to New Zealand. She traveled via the Suez Canal and uh, in that boat, 1953, alone, 18 years old, arrived here in New Zealand, met up with the Dutchman and the rest is history. But... 20 years later, when she wanted to go back to England, do you think she jumped on a boat? She would have flown. 20 years later, she didn't think, how did I get here? I'm going to go that same way because that worked last time. She didn't jump back on a boat and sail across the waters for six weeks. No, we were doing things different. And 20 years later, she caught a plane and went back to England. And it didn't take six weeks. My point is that 
the road you traveled before, even if it got you to where you are now, even if it was a good thing, don't hold on so tightly to it. The Lord is saying, I am doing a new thing. And during this lockdown, if it's showing us anything, it's showing us what's really important. It's showing us some of the things that we need to let go of. I know that God would have spoken to you over lockdown. I know that God would have spoken to you over this time because it, 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 it ostracized us from our normal patterns. It shook things up a little bit. Not one person here hasn't experienced something different, I bet, over the last six, seven, eight weeks. God is saying, don't, don't go clambering back for the old way that we were doing things. Let's keep our eyes open for what God wants to do now. He's doing a new thing, not just in the church. Not just, not just, it's not just Pastor Paul coming up here and going, we've got a new vision. We're running with something different. We're going to do things different. It's in your life. There were some old patterns that God wanted to shake out. There were some old patterns that God wanted to shake out and is still shaking out in you. And if you would just allow him to shake out those old patterns, loosen your grip on the old, he'll put something new in your hands, and he'll give you something new to run with, and he will give you the grace to run with it. He will empower you to do it. Why? Because it's not actually about you. Amen? It's not actually about you. I should get back to my word. I just feel like the Lord's speaking to someone this morning. Amen? This is not something uh, unfamiliar to the church, even when the church first started, because it was born, it, it, it came, they came out of quite a religious, a religious setting, and Jesus came in and just carved through the middle of it, and he broke the chains of, of religion. He broke the chains of man, man's thought about what, what God was, and what salvation was, and who the Messiah might be. You know, and even even after Christ had come and died and been resurrected and gone back to heaven and the church was firing up and starting and Saul turned to Paul and he went around and instead of persecuting the church, he was raising it up and uh, and he encountered the religious spirit. Sometimes it's, it's the ones that were most religious that can see the religious spirit coming. Amen. And he encountered this in the early church. In Galatians, we read how he he actually rebuked Peter one of the early apostles, and he said, hang on, there's a bit of a religious spirit going on here. And he, he nipped it in the bud even then. And this is in, uh, in Galatians 2. Um, Peter had been, Peter was called to be the apostle for the Jews. And Paul was called to be the apostle for the Gentiles, if you don't know the difference. So at the time, the Jews were the, were the Pharisees, the, the, the religious leaders of the time, they had the knowledge of the Word, they had the knowledge of the Mosaic laws, and the Gentiles, they were outside of this. And, and back then, the Jews did not associate with the Gentiles. It's not what you did, because they were, they were considered unclean, they were considered uncircumcised, not, under, not, not righteous by the law. And what happened when Jesus came in and shook all this up, and He took, he took God's love to the Gentiles, He, he grafted them onto the olive, olive tree, so to speak. And, uh, and what happened is that J um, Peter was spending time in Antioch with the Gentiles, and he was eating with them, and he was, he was spending time with them, and he was, he was living that fresh new good word from Jesus, living that fresh new life. And then uh, one of his mates, James, was the brother of Jesus. He had some mates come along who were Jews, 
new to the faith, new to the new, to the new faith. And, uh, and because he felt uncomfortable with these ones that were religious, he stopped eating with the Gentiles. And he started only eating with those who were circumcised. He started only eating with the Jews because he felt uncomfortable because all his old religious mates were there and he was just, oh, we'll just, we won't rustle the feathers. I'll just, we'll just go back to this, make them more comfortable. And, and, and Paul rocks up and he goes, hey, what are you doing? That's a bit hypocritical. And we meet him, um, <laughs> and then he goes, he goes to Peter, and he goes, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't try and rebuild the religious walls that we've broken down, you know. Don't, don't, don't try and rebuild the old ways that worked before. We're in a new life here. Don't, don't go back. Don't go back into Egypt. Don't go back into your old life. What Jesus is offering here is a new life. Is a rebirth. That's what we talk about when we're saying that we're born again Christians. We have been born again by the Spirit. And we are led into a new life. But we need to be careful that we don't step back into the old life. Because if we step back into the old life, we actually step back under that condemnation. Amen? We need to be careful not to step back into that old life, but to step forward into the fullness of the new life that Jesus Christ has given us. Amen? Amen? And this is where um, uh, Paul is saying to Peter, he says, if I rebuild, in Galatians 2, 18 to 20, he says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. He said earlier, he said, if, if, I'm, if, if I do something against the law because now I'm following Christ, now I've got my eyes fixed on Christ and that's all I'm worried about, I'm not worried about maintaining my religious righteousness, I'm not worried about keeping all of the laws, I'm not worried about all of that, I've just got my eyes fixed on Christ and every now and then I might slip and trip up. He's saying, did that mean that Jesus has led me into sin? No. He came and paid the price for the law, I am free from that, I am dead to that, all I need to focus on is keeping my eyes on Christ. He will do the work in me. I don't have to focus on doing the work in me. I don't have to try to be a better person. Jesus is the better person, and He will live through me. Amen? Amen? So that's why He's saying, if I rebuild what I destroyed, He's talking about the law. If I start rebuilding the law here, and just trying to start fit it back into a framework of rules and what I can do to be righteous, then really I am sinning then really I am actually being a transgressor there is another word that's used, or a lawbreaker, because I'm breaking the law of the Spirit there. I'm breaking the law that Jesus came to establish. Amen? For through the law, I died to the law, that I might live for who? For God. That's it. You see, when Jesus came, and He took all of our iniquities onto the cross, we learn about how He died for our sin, and we turn it into a prayer to get us to heaven. But it's much more than that. He took our separation from God on the cross. He took our, our debt to the law on the cross, and He paid it in full. But He did it not just so that we can go to heaven and be saved from hell. He did it so that we could be saved from our old life and step into a new life that we no longer live for ourselves. Because I tell you, that's the true freedom. When you're not living for yourself, nothing can bother you. Amen, Gary? 
Amen, brother. Nothing can bother you when you're not living for yourself. You can't get offended. You can't feel like you've messed up. You can't feel less than. You can't get annoyed. You can't, you can't lack love because all of a sudden you're living for love. You can't hold unforgiveness in your heart. I love you too. Because God already forgave you and God loved you first. Yeah. So that's what he's saying here in Galatians. He says, For through the law, Jesus came not to say that the law is rubbish, which is the other danger we can walk into. Oh, Jesus came to just say the law is rubbish and it's redundant and oh that was a mistake. We're just we're just doing something else now. No, the law had its purpose and it served its purpose for its time, and what Jesus did was he fulfilled the law. We were standing in front of the judge. The accuser was there. He's always up there trying to accuse you. He's always there trying to accuse you. But the thing is, Jesus stepped into that courtroom and he said, I have paid that price. I have paid that price. For everything they did, everything they're doing, and everything they will do, I have paid that price. In full, once and for all. And the accuser's words are empty. Amen. Through the law, we have been set free from the law. We have died to the law that we might live for God. And in in verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live. That old man is dead. That's what the waters of baptism are about. When you go down in the water, you leave that old man behind. You leave that old man behind. You'll not walk in his footsteps anymore. When he rears his ugly head again, it's almost like necromancy. We don't speak to the dead. We speak to the blessing that God has given us, and we walk in the newness of life that we find in Christ. The dead man is gone. Amen. 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 Say it again, sister. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you're in this place and you think you're not loved, Oh, I've got to tell you something. Jesus loved you so much that he thought that your life was worth dying for. He paid a heavy, heavy rent. You think rent's high in Kitty Kitty? He paid a heavy rent to come and live in his new apartment. It says he will come and live in you. You're his apartment. He paid a hefty rent to come live in you. He paid uh, the mortgage in full. He's freehold now with us. Amen? Amen. So we don't live for ourselves. We live for Jesus. Amen? <laughs> my third my third point I have been going through points you probably haven't been following them but that's fine my third point and this is my final point I see the time getting on be ready for anything my wife preached this a while back RFA ready for anything ready for anything now you're living for Christ and Christ is living through you who says being a Christian or living a Christian life is boring huh If you ever come across someone that says Christian life is boring, I want you to invite them to come and live with my whanau for a month and then tell me it's boring. (laughs) I want to give you a bit of a scripture here that sort of summarizes what a Christian life is, and it's a testimony to how we've been living in Christ. John 3 and 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're like the winds. We'll come and go. We'll blow wherever the wind calls if we're listening to the Spirit. And this will be a life that is not boring. It's much more exciting than any life you could conjure up for yourself. I know this. I was a man that tried to build my own life for myself, tried to make it as exciting as possible. And what I ended up doing was just working every hour of the day, trying to earn money that always seemed to disappear, never quite attaining all the goals that I had for myself, never quite feeling like I was getting there, like I was almost there. But I'm telling you right now, if you receive Jesus this morning, you'll be there. You'll start there. That's your starting point. We go from glory to glory, glory to glory. Your starting point is victory in Christ. That's where you're starting from. You're not starting from down here going, I'm almost going to get there one day. I'm almost going to. No, if you receive Jesus this morning, that's where you start. In victory. In victory. And I truly believe that there's some people in the house this morning that have had the wrong, something, something shaking up with what I'm saying about what you think Christianity is about. And you're thinking, that's, that's not what I thought Christianity was about. I thought Christianity was all about rules and regulations and living a life of control, living a life of getting rid of the freedoms that I enjoy. No thanks, amen. I'm here to tell you your very idea of freedom is a lie if you're living in, in the world's idea of freedom. If you think freedom is being able to go out and do whatever you want from the world's perspective, I'm telling you that Jesus has a freedom beyond any freedom you can ever experience. And all it takes, all it takes is just a simple prayer to just receive the grace He has for you. Jesus made a way over 2,000 years ago for us to step into a new life of absolute freedom. He made that path for you. He knew who you were since before He even set the foundations of the world. That's not just some fancy metaphor. That's Scripture that is truth. He knew who you were. He knew who you were created to be. And I'm telling you, you know right now whether or not you are living the life you were created to live. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to step into that newness of life, to step into that spirit-born, spirit-led life this morning.